Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to this week's exciting episode of the podcast in my head. I'm your host, Jonah D. And before we dive into today's riveting topics, I just got one thing to ask you. Have you done your daily dose of breathing? Because if not, fear not, for I am here to show you the way. So, We start by inhaling, and then we exhale. And like shrimp fried rice, you got to have it twice. We're going to breathe in, and we're going to breathe out. There. Isn't that better? You know, I actually had the perfect opportunity to do some breathing for today, you know, to calm myself out of an otherwise very stressful situation. And you all may be proud to hear that I actually took the breathing route. My neighbors, for some reason, all day long, and I really do mean like all day, starting from like about nine, ten o'clock this morning, it has sounded like a combination of someone playing bowling, uh, Gunther knocking over every glass bottle he can find, and like uh, that sound that dogs make when they're running across the floor, but like sliding into stuff and then continuing to run. It's a, it's a very distinctive noise. You know what I mean? And really all day, you know, normally, because normally we're pretty cool about stuff like that. We don't really care about the noises. We're drawing it out with TV, whatever. But for some reason today, it was like coming right from above our bedroom. And, oh, man, it was like a good four times that we were like, maybe we should just go and ask if everything is okay Are the kids at home with no adults? Like, that's how bad it was. And thankfully, at 9.30 at night, they finally decided to calm it down with whatever the hell that ungodly noise it was that was coming from their place. So now I finally have the time and the silence to be able to give you all what you've been waiting for. I know. I know, what would the masses do without my good soup to fill their bellies? I don't know, probably listen to some other jackass ramble about things that don't really matter in the real world, you know, trying to understand this this simulation that we're in, this, this infinite paradigm of, you know, you got assholes like our former president who say, Yeah, just go up to them and grab it because, you know, you can do whatever you want to women when you're rich and how that's so wrong to say. And that's so horrible. And that's such a disgusting thing to say about women. Yet women will also champion a song that says broke boys don't deserve no pussy, which, you know, again, individually, I could understand those two things. It's just trying to it's really, really weird 
when you say, oh, that's definitely, that is, that is so sexist and that is so gross, and then you'll get behind it when a woman says it. It's it's just, I'm just trying to understand, like, like which one is it? And, you know, even women <clears throat> on social media will tell you the same thing. Of that they don't they're not interested in going out with any men who are broke. They're not interested in going out with men who want to pay 50-50. They're not interested in men who want to know what do they as women bring to the table. And I'll tell you guys what the really funny part about it is, is that they will say up and down that women have more value than their bodies and that women shouldn't be objectified for money. And then when you ask them, you know, where is the equality in the relationship? If the man is supposed to pay for everything, the very first thing that will come out of most, not all, I wouldn't even say most, a lot. The first thing that will come out of a lot of women's mouth as to how that's fair is all things that have to do with their bodies. Like you say, okay, well, how is it fair if the guy has to pay for anything? And they'll say something like, well, how is it fair that a woman has to go through nine months of pregnancy? And it's like, well, that's something that your body just does. I'm not sure how you want me to, you know, quantify compensating you for that i don't know but whatever i digress and when you say like okay well why can't we pay 50 50 on a meal well because i went and got pretty and i just looked so good and you know why should i have to pay for my own meal if i'm looking like this it's it's just it's all very fascinating i'm really really trying to uh trying to understand it all but i've actually been doing pretty good this week guys i've actually been doing a fairly decent job of keeping my nose out of trouble i've really only argued with like one group of people over the course of this week it's uh really really i i gotta say it's a real telling point in my development as an antagonist okay um I don't even know where I was going with that. See, that's what happens when you don't drink enough water. I, I think I finally cracked the code of how Dunkin' Donuts makes those fucking delicious refreshers that they make. And that's kind of all that I've been drinking. And I think it's finally starting to catch up with me. And I can tell that the internet thinks the same thing. Because whenever I go like a good three or four days without drinking water, I start seeing like videos, memes, all, and uh those like medical advertisements for like, Hey, make sure you're preventing kidney stones. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water. And I've seen my parents get them a couple times when I was younger. And it definitely scared me enough to make me not want to ever get them. But you know, kind of like a new year's resolution. I forget it like two weeks after I actually start doing it. And then I need that shock to remind me again. All right. So, yeah, upside refreshers for life on the cheapo, you know, it, it, it's really weird, too, because like Duncan's is can't even really say theirs. But like, have you guys ever noticed that if you you might go to like try to think of somewhere where it's not exactly standardized. So, so not like a McDonald's, but like think of like whatever your local gas station is, you know, 
you might pay uh you might pay like a dollar eighty for a drink at one location, but then you go two miles up the road and you pay another like twenty cents at that one. Yeah, I, I something that I didn't even realize until the last like couple years. Maybe that's kind of sad, but uh I'm not sure why I'm talking about this. Is this isn't even interesting. This isn't even interesting to talk about. I was talking about arguing with people online. <laughs> How the hell did I get to paying less for a drink? Jesus Christ. Um, no, but I've been watching uh, season two of The Witcher. And, you know, I like it. I think it's really interesting. Uh, that first episode was kind of over the top, of course, but at least they didn't show it. They just referenced it. So I guess that makes it better. But, you know, whenever something like that comes out, there's always those nerds that come in. Well, actually, in the comics, the, the character did this. In, in it. It's just, oh, God. It's always, it's always people who... You know what? I can't even think of a good insult right now. I'll come back to them. But, but you know what I'm talking about. Whenever some work comes out, there's always those people that always got to come out and talk about how it's different than the original piece. It's like, dude, how many things have you actually watched that were copy-paste like, from the books and were... Hmm. I'm trying to think of how I want to frame this question. Think of how many things you've seen that were not exact, that were not copies from the, you know, main text or whatever, and were still really good. I mean, I think of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy, okay? Now, the first movie, definitely phenomenal, really, really great. You know, second and third are kind of arguable, you know, depending on who you talk to, but, like, the trilogy itself was widely accepted, Considering the fact that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man wasn't anything like the Spider-Man from the comics. And the story itself, if I recall correctly, really wasn't following the story. I mean, hell, look at X-Men, like the Hugh Jackman X-Men. How many of those actually followed any of the comics? Like, the, the two examples that somebody gave me were Harry Potter... And he said the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Now, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I can't speak on it. But I do remember a lot of people, at least towards the end of it, really not loving it. So, from what I understand, they started off, you know, kind of sticking with the books. And then they kind of tapered off towards the end. And that's kind of, I guess, what these nerds are saying about The Witcher. Now, I know that they are books, but they're also video games. I started... I was introduced to The Witcher with uh, the third game, Wild Hunt, which I think is how a lot of people were introduced to the series. And, I mean, a lot of the characters from Wild Hunt are in there, which at least that's pretty interesting. I mean, there's definitely some characters in the series that I would say are quite different from how they are in the game. Uh, My main example being Trish. You know, I got a, uh, a sickness for the Reds, but... But this Trish from the series is definitely putting a hurting on that love. Uh, but hey, at least Dijkstra is in there. That's interesting. Um, shit, I'm trying to think of like more characters off the top of my head. I can't really think of too too many characters as names. But you know, Dijkstra is kind of carrying the whole thing because he was super super hilarious in the fucking game. But. Uh. 
what was that? But I'm trying to like have a conversation with this guy, you know, about why it is that I think that it's not really important for works to follow. I mean, hell, even he said Harry Potter, but even Harry Potter wasn't copy paste. I mean, there was a lot that got cut, you know, scenes that, that don't exactly match up to how they sound. My point is people, there's plenty of things that don't follow their main story that are still really good. Hell, even the dark Knight trilogy. Now I know that there's a lot of critics of the dark Knight trilogy. I know there's that whole thing about, you know, do you, do you like dark Knight because it's actually good or do you like it because Heath Ledger died? Okay, I, I like them because they're good. They're good, but they don't follow like any actual canon Batman story, and they're still good. Can we? Can we please? Can we please, people, stop keeping works of art on this pedestal where like they can't go outside of what that range is? Sometimes other stories can be really fascinating too. Okay, hell. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else to like even say to that. It's like, it's like, I can tell that this guy is getting hostile with me, like just in the, um, just in the way that he was saying it. But I also had to keep my own passive aggressiveness in check because this guy had a name that I couldn't even begin to pronounce. So clearly his IQ is several points higher than me. And, uh, well, let's just say that the last time that I tried to get into a roaster session with a nerd, he ended up telling me that my mother wasn't selectively permeable. And I had no idea what that meant until a good six months after it happened. And, you know, at that point, you, you can't go retroactively beat up a nerd for something that they said to you. It's almost like, you know, punishing a damn animal. If you're going to do it at all, you got to do it right in the moment because 13 seconds later, they're not even going to remember what the hell it is that you're doing. They've already moved on to more important things with their day. Yeah. You know? Like getting a new drive for their CPU or something of that nature. I don't, I don't know that techie nerd shit i don't know any of it which is funny considering that i am a nerd i just happen to not be one of the smart ones i'm one of the weird nerd ones that was trying to do naruto runs during recess thankfully uh you know i'm big and black so i was able at least to avoid getting stuffed in any lockers and my head dunked in any sort of toilets but jesus christ if you just imagine imagine if i looked like that uh dude from the power rangers the the, the blue one Jeez, be a whole new story. You guys would have seen me on the news. Right? He didn't even warn anybody. We were nice to him. He didn't even tell us that we shouldn't come, shouldn't have come to school today. Man, what an asshole. <laughs> I don't know. At least, at least they got like Geralt looking good, you know, Henry Cable phenomenal choice for him. I really can't think of anybody else who could have quite done it. Uh, he has like just the right amount of muscle in his face. I mean, he was good in Superman, you know, also, but, uh, I think he's really coming to light playing, uh, girl. And uh, his voices sound so good too. I will say it, it, the amount of women 
there's actually a thing for it. My girlfriend was telling me about it. Of, uh, but there's a lot of women who are attracted to Geralt, and they're like, yeah, yeah, like I want him to smell like monster flesh and death and outside sleeping. You're like, yeah, but he's got lice. Like you wouldn't believe. And they're like, I know, I know, but I hear that they do great things for your skin. But besides that grossness with wanting to fuck a dude that's more than likely quite literally smelling like death itself, besides that, I can definitely say that I see the attraction. And, uh, but, uh, like, yeah, like I want him to like hold me, but I also want him to take like 13 showers. Like, does that make any sense at all? You know, smelly boys don't deserve no pussy, but also, you know, good-looking smelly men can do whatever they want when they have muscles and a defined jawline. Oh. Hmm. I don't know. Besides that, though, my my week hasn't really been interesting. I haven't actually done anything that I think is actually worth so. Oh, wait. Yes, I have. Of course I have. Uh, I finally finished watching Seraph at the end. I'm not even sure if I talked about the fact that I was watching that. I have not been this happy to have finished watching an anime in a long time, guys. Seraph at the end, it's one of those vampire animes. And people were telling me that I should try it out, that I would really like it. And I kind of figured out within the first couple of episodes that, uh, yeah, this is not an anime that I'm interested in watching. But at the time, because instead of just focusing on watching anime like a normal person, I had to try and multitask and play games at the same time. Uh, but by the time that I realized, oh, I don't actually like this, I was already like 12 episodes into it, you know, halfway there. And I figured, well, I guess I might as well finish it. And oh my God, guys, have I been waiting for this to be done. I hate so much about Seraph at the end, it's it's boggling. First of all, I can't stand this main character, okay? I get it. I get it. His shit was tragic. Hold on, let me think. Am I going to talk about... Should I do a spoiler alert? I don't know, because this anime came out in, like, 2005. So I feel like anybody who's going to see it uh, has seen it by now, okay? But just in case, I will give you guys eh, five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so I get it. I get it. All right. It's horrible to see your whole family. You know, you finally find yourself a family after being abandoned and you watch them all get killed before your very eyes. I get it, but we've seen it before. Okay, let's be real. All right. You still, hmm. Really, I'm trying to think, like, is there anything about that that I can say that I hate? No, because he was fine then. He was fine then. Yeah, he ran. That's what he should have done. They were all dead anyway, so he should have ran. Okay, he meets the this squad people. I don't like any of them squad people besides, um, I think his name was, like, Yoichi. I think I remember his name because he's, like, because he reminds me of Koichi. He's actually a reliable, you know, guy. But I like him. He's okay. The guy with the with the glasses that that looks like what's his face from Jujutsu, uh, I don't like him. Purple haired girl Shinoa, I can't fucking stand her. The orange haired one with the pink uh, with the pigtails, I can't stand her. Who else is in there? Uh, Gurin, their little leader dude. God, I hate that guy. 
He is just clearly untrustworthy. In fact, throughout this whole series, I was sitting here thinking, man, the humans are going to win this if they if they actually wrap this up. And I don't actually want them to. I actually want the vampires to win. What's that one vampire that has the uh, the two girls with them? The one like school nurse, mommy milker one, and then uh, the other little purple haired one. He was my favorite. And I'm sitting there thinking, if he gets killed, I'm going to be really upset because he's the only character in here that I can say that I like. And I like the vampires more than the humans, but I can't fucking stand the vampires either because the only one that you see that has any damn personality is uh, that one that you see chilling out with with Mika. And even Mika, I don't really understand because usually those characters, those those pretty blonde characters, are usually a lot more like robust. I guess robust is what I'll say. Yeah, a lot more robust in character. And this dude is just boring. Like everyone in this anime is just single track minded. And it just, oh, it's not good. It's just not good. And then, you know, they didn't even actually end it, which I'm not quite sure if I'm happy or if I'm pissed off about. But I will say, the chances of them getting a season two are very slim, and even if they did, I wouldn't finish it. So, thankfully, that is behind me. So, I'm finally starting uh, Fate Stay Night. I've watched a whole one episode, and I don't understand one little spickety speck of what the fuck is going on in Fate Stay Night. But I'm going to keep going because uh, it's crossed... Uh, it's it has spawned across multiple franchises. It's been in card games. It's been mobile games. So clearly, there is something I'm missing, or maybe it's just kind of boring in the beginning. Whew! Oh man, that was a mouthful. Twenty-two minutes in, guys. Twenty-two minutes in. Sheesh. Uh, have I done anything else? Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday, I actually got around to finishing Code Vein, so that was really exciting. It was just the right like, um, uh, length of game, like right at the point where I was thinking, okay, I think I'm ready for this game to be over. Like I'm a little tired of playing this was when we were getting into the end game of the story. Now I will say, well, let me start with what I like about code vein first. First of all, what I like about code vein is that it has the play style of a, uh, souls game, but not even close to the difficulty setting. First of all, the enemies are just not that hard to kill. One, two. Um, I think the combat is not as complicated, even though Soulsborne uh, combat is not really like that bad to me. Oh, excuse me, guys. Um, what else do I like about it? I also like that it just it just generally feels like playing Dark Souls, but literally an animated version of it. So it's not nearly as creepy. Uh, the enemies are not nearly as, uh, as like, shivering, I guess I'll say. I will say, though, some of them bosses are kind of insane. But also, like, I guess there's no consistency to the bosses, kind of kind of leading me into something I'm not a big fan of, is that there's no consistency in terms of, like, the scaling of the difficulty. Like... The first boss that you fight is easy. The first, like, four bosses that you fight are child's play. And then you'll, like, randomly meet a boss that you, for some reason, can't fucking touch. Like, let me think. That one poison moth butterfly girl, she was hard as shit. And then you, you know, 
I don't remember exactly who came after her, but then you fight the uh, Mia's brother, the little Ice Knight dude, and he was hard as shit. But then you get to like the the Blazing Claw uh boss whichever one that was and she's easy as shit but then you get to that dude in the um in the ruins that looks like one of dr mito's knights and he's hard as shit but then you know you go you go a little bit later and you fight that like sand one that's with jack and then she's easy you fight mito and mito himself wasn't even that hard but that fucking inhibit was ooh. Ooh, that hit it with something else. Oh, and when he leaves those two, those two bosses that you gotta fight, the the fire, the big fire shooting guy and the and the ice, they're not even hard. I'm okay, the ice chick was fucking me up. I'm not gonna lie, guys. That ice chick was screwing me over. So the way you gotta take that one is you gotta actually focus on her and take her out first. And then take out the fire guy. Because the fire guy is really not hard. Oh yeah, I remember who the who the like first one was. The first boss was that dude when you come out of the clearing that like intro boss but i think the first actual boss was the one where you get the water sickle from and like yeah like she was easy too so yeah like there's no scaling like like you would think that a boss is going to be easy and to be hard you think a boss would be hard and it's actually really easy i kind of wish that they would just kind of scale in difficulty or at least taper off but don't go hard easy hard easy like when you fight uh what's his name silva yeah, when you fight Silva, his first form in the chair, easy. Second form? No, I'm sorry. His first form was actually harder than the second form. Because the second form, when the second form starts, that one like AoE move that he does will wreck you. But then once you get him down to that half health and he changes up his, his fighting style in that second form, it's so much easier. That's what I don't like. I kind of wanted it to get harder as it went on. In fact, I, I kind of killed kind of killed him on a fluke because <laughs> he's so big he has multiple hitboxes and i was using the zwakanda and that's how i was kind of i was kind of hitting multiple hitboxes at the same time and that was the only reason why i was shredding him down can anybody explain to me why the zwakanda is so much stronger than any other weapon like pretty much I think there's only like only two other weapons that even have half of the raw destructive power that the Zweihander does. Whatever. I digress. But it is a super, super fun game. Um, not gonna play that again. I'm not actually I'm not actually entirely sure of what I want to play next. I, I kinda wanna play Neo 2, but I also kinda wanna play uh Elden Ring, because that looks really interesting. But then I also want to play. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on what it's called. It's like it's like Arisen or some shit like that. But it looks really good. Uh, the the YouTuber that I'm a big fan of also plays it, so that's always fun. Uh, I finally finished watching him play Sekiro, and I'm definitely glad that I did not try to finish that. I would not have gotten past that monkey. That part with the carp would have been impossible because I don't do water, especially fucking underwater cities and fuck that entirely. Um, I would have been really pissed off at that multi-stage boss fight because at least in Code Vein, if there is a multi-stage boss fight, if you get past their first stage and like they kill you, they 
when you come back, they'll be in the second phase of the fight. You know what I mean? Like, not talking about if you just take their health down to low, but I mean, literally, like, if it's multi-staged boss fight, like, you take out, you know, you take them down to health, there's a cut scene, then you go back into another fight, but you die, yeah, you'll start off at that second fight, so at least there's that. Because if I had got killed by uh, the... uh, If I... Trying to think, yeah, because I'm pretty sure that after you fight that ice, the ice girl and the fire shooter at, at the same time, I think you fight them and then you go into the next fight. Yeah, you definitely do it for the final boss. Thank God that that first stage is pretty fucking annoying. Um. Well, yeah, no, yeah, you fight them and then you like go straight to Mito. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that middle fucking inhibit. That inhibit is probably the most annoying thing. I will tell you guys, if you are going to play Code Vein, oh, by the way, who did I who did I do it with? Um, I spent the game cycling between the same three characters. Um, I started with Louie, though I kind of tapered off with Louie uh, towards the end of it, just because uh, I like having kind of tankier people or just somebody who can do like really good range damage. So I ended up going more into Yakumo. And then when I was not playing Yakumo towards the end, I switched to Mia because Mia is actually surprisingly good if you're one of those like strong melee fighters because she can certainly she will certainly do that good range damage, but yeah, if they get close to her, she'll fucking die. She's like Kunkuro in the Naruto games. You definitely do not want them looking at her. You want them looking at you. But if you can keep them looking at you, your NPCs, for the most part, can keep you alive. And But especially Mia. Mia will do some damn good damage if you if you let her have a few seconds. So, I, But I think overall, I probably would recommend Yakumo uh, just because he's tanky. Uh, he's also the prettiest. So that always comes. Yeah, I, I mean, Louis is really pretty too, but you guys get what I'm saying, okay? But I don't know, guys. I don't know. What else do I want to talk about? Should I just go for a full nerd episode? Could I really talk about Vanguard for 15 minutes? Of course I could talk about Vanguard for 15 minutes. Who, Who do you guys think I am? to where I can't talk about my favorite card game for 15 whole minutes. So what has been going on in Card Fight Vanguard? I I know that I've talked about it before. It is something that I'm very passionate about. No, we actually just had a a big online event, uh, BRO something, something, something. And uh, (laughs) people have been using this Bushy Road online event to really talk about how much they can't stand over triggers and about how insanely overpowered over triggers are but it's funny because like those same people that are complaining about over triggers are playing absolute dog shit decks like 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 ty smith like ty smith bitching about bitching about over triggers while playing chaos after they lost really the best grade one that they had in their deck, besides the one that uh, that new standard one that like surges a Starvator off the top five or some shit, 
Like he's <laughs> you played chaos and locking isn't even relevant anymore, dude. I mean, I guess I understand like what you were coming from, considering that it at least rips uh, rips cards out of the hand. But like, if ripping cards out of the hand was what you were looking for, you know, Nubatama will do that for you just fine. Okay, even without Jamie Congo. Oh, well, shit, what do you even do without Jamie Kong? Oh, yeah, you can play Dominate. Just play Dominate. Just play Rene. Like, that's what everybody else does. Worst case scenario, you hit, like, two protect markers. Okay? Hey, like, believe me. I say this as an avid Nubatama player, okay? It's there. Ripping cards out of the hand is Nubatama's specialty. All right? You should have known that Deluge wasn't going to be that relevant when its reprint came out and it was, like, a dollar. Okay? You should have known. I'm just saying, all right, over-triggers, people really bitch about over-triggers. In a 50-card deck, an over-trigger is one card out of that. That means that even outside of your starter, because if you look at it, it's it's really a 49-card deck, not really like a 50-card deck. Even then, that increases the odds, what, another 2%? So you have like a 4% chance of... Any particular card, or really a two. Well, no, because it was it was fifty percent. It'd be two for each card, but it's like forty eight. So it's two. It's like two point two percent for any card that you pick up to be an over trigger. Okay, that's just you picking it up. That doesn't even factor in like the mulligan and shit, drive checks. So like your chances of checking an over trigger, which. I will admit, are people pissed more because of driving it and can't defend against the two columns, or is it about damaging it, okay? Because even if it's just damaging it, that within itself it cuts in half your chances of seeing the over-trigger. All I'm saying is there's so many ways that other triggers have been abused. I mean, look at stand triggers. Stand triggers had to get hit after, like, what, like, 20, what was it, like, 2014? Some shit like that, like 2014, 2015, that they said we're not doing stand triggers no more because getting one extra rear guard swing was apparently way too powerful for people. And it's like those same people who you see bitching about over triggers, it's like you'll lose more games to crits or heals than you would to an actual over trigger. Like, I don't get it. Like, you have a, a better chance of somebody getting two crits on you in a row than you have of somebody getting the over trigger on you. Yet, I've never heard somebody say that crits need to need to get hit. I've been double. I've been triple. I've been quad critted before, okay? You ever people death heal? Nobody complains about death healing. Why? Because the chances of it actually happening are super slim. Now, I will say, I will say, I will give you guys merit, okay? It definitely is annoying when you're going for, like, a big play and your opponent damages the overtrigger. Because, again, like I said, I, th- I feel like damaging the overtrigger is what more people were upset about. But, like, I feel like at that point, if you really, really want it to, uh, if you really, really want to just get around that, then just play Valios. It literally doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. I just feel like if if you know that the over-trigger itself, if you're specifically looking at the over-trigger as your issue, and it's that much of an issue where it's going to lose you the game, yeah, 
play Valios. Oh, but hey, did you also know that Nubatama also has a new card that will uh, negate damage that they would get from an over-trigger? Especially if you're playing Dominate? I'm just saying, they got it. Oh, well, we shouldn't have to play this to out a card that I have, like, a half of a 1% chance of actually coming into. Now, again, I will say that there were games that were definitely determined by the overtrigger, but that's kind of what it was put into the game for, as to, you know, kind of a wild card for somebody else to come in and just sweep a quick, uh, a uh, you know, a swift comeback victory. Or hell, if you get it and your opponent was already like losing and then you get the overtrigger, it's like that that doesn't really matter. So really what it is is, oh, I was winning, but my opponent damaged the overtrigger. I did no damage to them. I didn't punch their hand at all. And then like now they're going to beat me. I don't know, dude. It, it's not even so much of a get good thing, but really I feel like it's the fault of the fact that, okay, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe those games shouldn't be one round. Because I'll definitely admit, if it was just two out of three, that would be, you know, a, a pretty big enough change on its own to really quell that. I mean, shit, really, what's going to fuck over competitive uh, uh, competitive Vanguard is if they let side decking in, because then a lot more Crayola Metals become a lot better cards. And the reason why I think it's so hard a lot of the times to be able to plan ahead for those uh, for those games is because, yeah, you know you only get one shot. So you got to pretty much play what your deck does best and hope that that's enough. And I'll be honest, guys, that's what makes Vanguard fun as opposed to – well, no, I'm not going to say as opposed to – but that's just what makes it different to like Yu-Gi-Oh. Like the fact that side decking exists in Yu-Gi-Oh makes such a big difference on like how that game is played. Uh, probably would have to have somebody on here that's a bit more of a Yu-Gi-Oh expert because I am the shittiest of shitty Yu-Gi-Oh players. So I am definitely not the person to talk to a shit like that. But I do know for a fact that side decking being in that game is a real big uh, game changer. Hell, how long have Vanguard events even been best of one round four? Not very long. Not very long at all. But even, I mean, like, even if you look at the decks that, like, you... Like, I know that at the very least in Yu-Gi-Oh, if Yu-Gi-Oh was one round, you would have some really, really interesting decks. Like, I saw this uh, deck build for uh, Exodia, <laughs> where you just play, like, 59, I think his name, like, 58 or 59, the, the fucking Crooked Cook, and you make them with the with the Karibo, and I think there's, like, a ZW card, and you pretty much use those as materials. The monster, like, can't be destroyed by, like, battle or card effects or some shit. And then his own effect is if you don't have any cards, that he's unaffected by everything. So, <laughs> that's the kind of spicy shit. And then, like, the Exodia deck that you're playing, it's not even a draw Exodia deck. You just summon this guy, and you just kind of keep passing <laughs> until you draw the Exodia. That's the kind of shit that you could only see if it was a best of one, because that would only be able to get you with the sneak. Hell, even, like, reverse burn decks. Like, I think that's the problem with reverse burn decks is that, 
okay, well, now I know that you're, or just regular burn decks, I guess I should say. Okay, so you're playing a burn deck. Well, now I know you're playing that. If I happen to have something in here that does work against that, well, now that's going to go in there. And burn decks typically don't have the um, the uh, flexibility to be able to, oh, let me put this in to deal with this problem. It's usually the whole deck is dedicated to the burn. You guys get what I'm saying? So, um, point being, stop being babies over over triggers. Literally, like, Vanguard is built on RNG. It is built on, oh, you know, what's this lottery chance of me getting this card? And, like, that's where the fun comes in of, oh, my God, I guess I'm just, you know, good. uh, Not good, but I guess I'm just lucky because I keep getting crits. Oh, I guess I'm lucky because I keep getting heals. Like, this game is so much revolved around RNG, and then people get upset that they then added a stronger RNG card to it. And there's a lot of ways. Like, OTT... Oracle Think Tank has that stride that's, thank God, it's like $25. But it lets you just take a card from your hand and put it on top of the deck. So you just decide. Like, if you draw your over-trigger, you just decide, eh, you know what, I, I want to drive it. Or, like, how about the fact that you can just legion it back in? How about the fact that if you have it in the soul, you can bloodermouth it back into the deck? Like, there's so many ways to, excuse me, to abuse over-triggers. Uh, I mean, at least there's no way to, you know, drive or damage one and then get it again. So at least there's that. But, you know, there's ways to, if you did lose it in one of the many ways that a Vanguard deck can make you lose it, there's probably an equal number of ways in that same clan for you to put it right back into your deck. Like, there's so much worse stuff than over-triggers, guys. And you really want to stand around. And bitch about the, what did I say, like half of 1% chance of actually like having it driven on you. Because nobody seems to have an issue with it being a 50k shield. No one even seems to have a problem with the effects themselves. And I'll admit, the effects themselves really only come into, are only like really overpowered and a handful of decks. You know, like the yellow one. The yellow one's only really good if you're playing it in, like, Bastion, where you have all those grade threes for the drive checks. The red ones, yeah, the red ones are really good if you're going for that kind of final turn play. I mean, because there's nothing worse than being on grade one and getting the red over trigger on the grade one swing. There's really nothing worse. At that point, it's just a crit, okay? Um, Hell, the green one is actually, in my opinion, like, the most insane, honestly. The green one's fucking nuts. Uh, the lyrical ones are really not that big of a deal. Ooh, they all get 10k. Like, I mean, it's definitely good. Uh, the dark one is pretty nice, but again, it's, you really only want that on the first one, you know, but really in most scenarios, you would just go for the Cray one anyway. So yeah, it's the hundred million specifically that people are upset about, you know, Zoa wasn't that big of a deal, I guess, because it was restricted to green, but everyone has the hundred million power and PGs do exist. So, you know, that's a thing. I mean, I've actually lost more games to the effects of the yellow trigger more than I've lost to the rest of any other over trigger really put together, you know, and that's including just regular 100 million power and their effects. So just saying, 
and I've definitely lost a hell of a lot more games to criticals and death heals than I have to um, fucking overtriggers. But hey, that's just me. That's just me. And it's really funny because the people who, like, if you say overtriggers are not that bad, they'll tell you that you're stupid and you have no understanding of the game. And it's like, you tell me that I have no understanding of the game, but I'm also not the one getting completely blown out by a a 1 in 50 card in my deck. So who really is the one that doesn't know anything about the game? You know what I mean? Ugh. Oh my god, I actually had a really like a whole episode that was nerd shit. Guys, when is the last time that I have had an episode full of nerd shit? I feel like I didn't even make any jokes on this one. Jeez. Well, I guess you get what you pay for. <laughs> No, but that is going to just about do it for me, guys. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys coming. Enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I don't know. Trying to think of like, what else do they say at the end of the circus? I actually, it's really, I totally get why we had to get rid of circuses. You know, I do. You know, the cruelty to animals, the, the, was there really actually any other reason to actually get rid of a circus besides a cruelty to animals? I don't think so. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, my mother every year would take me to the Ringling, Ringling Brothers Circus. And it was just one of the coolest fucking things. It was actually what was is what got me into circus type things in the first place. And uh, something that I always thought was really cool was the little motorcycles in the cage. But I also really enjoyed watching like the lion tamers, just watching that dude in that cage, you know, seven, eight fucking full grown lions and tigers and, uh, you know, practically bears too. that shit is hella respectable. Them two and the trapezist. Oh, they're so fucking cool. Why can't we just have those again? Or, or, or do we actually have at least just the trapeze acts? That's fine. We, we can get rid of the, the uh, get rid of the animals and shit. Okay. As long as there's clowns and trapezes, your circus will be fine. But I remember there being like other shit too. Like I was able to hop on YouTube because my brother, or my brother, my girlfriend has never been to any kind of like circus, unfortunately. And I just was kind of looking on YouTube to see if I could find a show. And I found a the video clip of their like last show. And it was really cool because I haven't gotten to see it in years and years and years. And uh, it was nice showing it to my girlfriend, but I did kind of have to turn her away when the clowns came out because she does not do clowns. And it, it wasn't even because of in, what was it, 2019 or 2018 when they were doing that shit running around? It, it wasn't even that. That's kind of the sad thing about it is that she just kind of had an ingrained fear. You know, when she was a wee kid, her brother made her watch it, kind of fucked her up. I saw it too. I thought it was kind of silly, but hey, that's me, you know. And um, yeah, yeah, I just... Uh, it's really weird because you see stuff like that you know you see those things when you're a kid like like i said we went every year and it's one of those things that you look back on it and think huh i never thought that that was gonna stop being a thing 
Like, I always figured I would take my own kids to the circus and, and shit like that. I kind of always thought it'd be a thing. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of just gone. And you're like, wow, that's actually something that later generations are not going to be able to talk about. And it makes me very grateful that I had that experience in the first place. It's like living and losing and how apparently it's better to live and lose or to love and lose than never to have loved at all or some bullshit like that, which I'm pretty sure people just make up to, you know, try to make you feel better, even even though they know it's complete horse shit. Like when they say, oh, I'm sure that they're in a better place now. It's like, no, no, you don't. Timmy like little boys, okay? He's not. He's not in a better place, trust me. He's in a better place for kids. Thank God for them he's in a, a better place, you know, instead of being with them. But believe me, he would not tell you that he is in a better place. Uh, anyway, guys, that's going to do it for me. I will see you guys next week. Make sure you drink plenty of water. And please, no matter what, okay, don't, don't choke anybody. Thank you.